Um, I'll, be, I'll be very, <laughs> those of you who know Ian would, would know this, um, if I tried to do anything else this morning that was not out of the Bible or focused on anybody but Jesus, I promise you I would get a text message afterwards. So um, what I, what I want to do this morning is, is I want to look at Romans 12 and I want to look at what it means to invest in God's mission. But, but I think it's really interesting how God laid this out already in my heart. Let me read verses 1 through 8 of Romans 12 and then we'll kind of lock, in, lock into it, okay? Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says this. Therefore... Brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Don't be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the good and pleasing and perfect will of God. For by the grace that has been given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly, as God has distributed a a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. So if prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it as service. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting, in exhortation. Giving, with generosity. Leading, with diligence. Showing mercy, with cheerfulness. Okay, let's stop there. Now, now in order to get into the, the end of that passage, to get into any portion of the passage, you've got to deal with the first word. Therefore. Therefore, so, so this is going to be pretty amazing. You're going to be like, how in the world does a dude spend 10 minutes on the word therefore? Watch, I'll show you. Because in the book of Romans, the logical flow of the passage, the whole logical flow of Romans, and actually the logical flow of most New Testament epistles is fact, fact, fact. Now in light of those facts, do this. So, so this is clear indicatives for you grammar people, and now here's the, the imperatives. So let me, let me show you the therefore. Flip back a couple pages. Go back to Romans chapter 3. Romans, Romans chapter 3. What we're, we're being told in Romans 3 is that the righteousness of God, that the very righteousness of God, of his holy goodness in this dark and this broken world, is going to be demonstrated for everybody to see it. And what Paul is trying to say is, it is not going to be demonstrated by any of you and your ability to live a moral life. I don't care how long you've been going to church. I don't care how how moral your life may be. What Paul says is the righteousness of Christ, the righteousness of God, is not going to be demonstrated for the world because you live such a squeaky clean life. The reason is, look at Romans chapter 3, verse 21. Apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed, attested by the law and the prophets, the righteousness of God through faith of Je- in Jesus Christ to all who believe, since there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So let me stop there. There is no distinction. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I want you to play along with me. I know it's going to feel really uncomfortable for a second, but if you look around, you will be encouraged. Okay, so you ready? How many of you would say you grew up in church? I mean, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Awanas, all those different things, Sunday school, your parents brought you to church. You would say you grew up in church. Raise your hand. I mean, don't, don't be bashful. Raise your hand. Okay, look around. Okay, good. How many of you would say it's been, you know, in the last 
I don't know, one to 10 years or zero to 10 years, church is suddenly something that you are now made a part of your life. Raise your hand. Be encouraged by that. Okay, look around. Look up. See, be encouraged by that. Okay. <laughs> you just fell from my trap. Okay, here we go. Let me read a list to you that Paul himself has laid out. And I know it's going to be uncomfortable, but I promise you, you will not be the only hand up. If you wrestle with any of these things at any point in your life, maybe not today, maybe 20 years ago, or five minutes ago, we won't ask. If you've wrestled with any of these, I want you to raise your hand. Here you go. Listen to the list that Paul lays out. All unrighteousness, evil, greed, wickedness, full of envy, murder, quarrel. Hopefully not murder. Nobody raise your hand on that one. All right, good. Okay. Quarrels, deceit, malice, gossips, slanderers, God-haters, arrogant, proud, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, yes, senseless, untrustworthy, unloving, and unmerciful. If you've wrestled with any of those, raise your hand. Look around, look around, look around. Now, some of you are like, yep, no, leave them up. There is no distinction. It does not matter if you've been going to church your entire life. It doesn't matter if this is your first day in church. There is no distinction. We are all sinners, every single one of us. We have all sinned and come desperately short of the glory of God. The righteousness of God is not put on display by your ability to be a good moral person. The righteousness of God was placed on display when he showed the world his grace for sinners by giving us his son, Jesus Christ. A gift that comes from Jesus and and his work as our sacrifice that is received by, in Romans 10 tells us, by calling on his name. And then when we have that gift, we have been declared righteous by that faith. And now... We have peace with God, Romans 5. And now, Romans 8 tells us there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We've been set free. Romans 8 tells us that if if God has set us free in Jesus Christ, then what or who or how would we ever be separated from that love? And the answer is nothing, no one, and no how. Therefore, Therefore, because you have tasted of the goodness of God's unthinkable grace, therefore, because though you were a sinner, separated from God because of your sin, but God took you on your worst day, said, I want that one. Here's my son. Therefore, there is a logical response. Paul says in Romans 12, one of the passages we looked at already, I urge you to present your entire being, holding nothing back as a living sacrifice. You didn't go to the temple and offer a sacrifice and expect to go home with a doggy bag. You were leaving the whole thing. You were leaving the entire sacrifice. What Paul says is the only logical response to the very mercy of God in your life is that you would yield your entire being to Him as His 
that your life would be demonstrated, would be demonstrating a generosity that the world looks at and calls foreign. Now understand, when I say generosity, I don't just mean money. Generosity, I mean, you're selling yourself way short. If you hear generosity, you're like, I just want my money. Okay, stop. We do. Stop. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Stop. When we're talking about generosity, we're talking about the way you live, the relationships you have, the enthusiasm you have, the talents you have, the gifts you have, how you, how you serve. It includes finances, certainly, but it's bigger than that. And the motivation of generosity, the motivation of living intentional, intentionally generous lives, that motivation, that the driving factor behind that behind how you give, how you serve, what you do with what's been given to you, the motivation behind that is remembering what we have versus what we deserve. The motivation behind living a generous life is the therefore. Therefore. So in your logical, in your reasonable response to God's incredible mercy in your life, You've got to understand something vitally important. Verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this age. As you are seeking to demonstrate this generous lifestyle as a result of what God has done for you in Christ Jesus, the world is going to continue to try to press you, shape you, mold you, squish you into a form so that you look just like them. Okay, now now let me tell you, there's three very specific applications I would make based on this passage and honestly based on the theme of the day, that how the world is going to try to form you into their own um, picture of what this is supposed to look like. They're, they're going to try to get you to overemphasize your importance. See, and you see that, right? Everybody today has a voice because everybody has one of these. So everybody has a voice. Everybody has an opinion. People have risen to the place where it's like, I want to be the man. I want to be the one everybody comes to and asks questions of. And if they don't, then what I want to do is put out there a picture of me being the most important person in the room so that everybody sees me. So the world wants us to overemphasize our importance, but the world also wants us to underemphasize our importance. So there's, there's a little bit of a tension, isn't there? Everybody is inept. Everybody is small. Everybody is, is lacking the ability to be good enough. I can't possibly be doing anything. So the world wants you to fit into that mold. So not only do they want you to overemphasize your importance, they want you to underemphasize your importance, but they also want you to live for yourself. Everything we do in life now is, well, what does that do for me? What does, that, what does that do for me? Where you live, where your kids go to school, where you go to church, what car you drive, what relationships you have or don't have, if you stay in your marriage or abandon your marriage, because it's about me. Somehow we have become the object of our, gen- our greatest generosity. And what, what Paul says is, Listen, don't think too highly of yourself. He says that right there in verse 3. I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. God has certainly blessed you with certain abilities and gifts and talents, but please understand they aren't better than or worse than or more important or less important than anybody else's. 
Think sensibly, he says. Think sensibly. Think sober-mindedly. That means have an accurate understanding. So don't look at yourself and be like, I'm just not good enough to do anything. He says, no, 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 no. Use your common sense. The, the, the things that have been given to you, the talents, gifts, and abilities that God has, been, has given to you are for the good and growth of other people. And if, if you don't live based on the, the, the ridiculous redemption that you've experienced generously, if you don't use those gifts that God has given to you to serve everybody else, then, then ultimately what ends up happening is you hurt the rest of the body of Christ. When one body part stops working, the rest of the body is affected. So, so for me to be complete, for me to be complete in my walk with Jesus Christ, you've got to be fulfilling what it is that God has given to you as a task. God has given you gifts, talents, and abilities for the good and growth of others. Employ it with generosity. With, with generosity. Uh, Paul gives us just a, it, it's a sample list here of gifts. Um, I, I have no idea if I have enough time, so I'm going to run through this super fast because I don't think the point is the individual specific Gifts. I think the idea uh, uh, that's found here in starting in verse six and down there is the totality, the fact that the body has all of these different gifts. So let me just kind of run through them real quick. He says, okay, so for the one who has prophecy, okay, whoa, hold on. Now here's, here's the, two, the two ways we go with prophecy. Whoa, I want no part of that. Or, hey, that's me. All right, uh, not this prophecy. Okay, you might be able to argue that from some different places in scripture. This prophecy is not talking about Miss Cleo's psychic hotline either. Okay? What's sad is I didn't even have to look that up and I remembered it. I was, yeah. Um, this prophecy isn't talking about seeing or hearing directly from God. This prophecy isn't what we see employed all over the place right now where I'm going to tell you what, what I think is going to happen and then there's no consequences when I'm wrong. That's false prophecy because you're keeping score at home. The Bible says something pretty clear about false prophets. So anyway, just moving along. This prophecy is saying, this is who God is. This is what God said, not this is what God said to you. This prophecy is talking about you declare the truth of God's word. And when he talks about do it according to the proportion of one's faith, that word proportion also is the word for agreement with. And so as these prophets are speaking about what God has said, it had better line up with, be in proportion to, align in agreement with the faith as revealed by God already. Okay, so that's the gift of prophecy. Service, that's the behind the scenes with delight. Um, waiting on tables type of service. Teaching. Teaching means explaining God's word. It can be to a congregation. It can be to a Sunday school class. It can be one-on-one. Exhorting and encouragement. That means to come alongside, to support, to inspire, to, to, to motivate, even with a, a, a charitable disposition. That exhortation or encouragement, that's our greeters. Giving. See, God has gifted certain people, not only with the means to give more than other people, but also the desire, the ability to do so in wisdom and with generosity. Leading, that means being able to create, come up with some creative ideas to place before the people of God so they can be busy about the ministry or the work of God. And then finally, showing mercy with cheerfulness. <laughs> okay, there are, 
there are some people in life who need just a little bit of extra grace. There's some people among us who have the ability to show mercy to the most difficult of people. God bless you. They're also called our coffee team. <laughs> um, I'd take credit for that joke, but that was a staff joke. I don't remember who came up with it. It was a good one. Um, no matter what giftedness, what talent, what ability, what opportunity you have, what Paul is calling us to, the voice of God through the Apostle Paul is calling us to, is to be a generous people. And when you are generous with your finances, with your time, with your energy, with your abilities, with your gifts, with your talents, when you're generous like that, you don't look at it like an investment. Let me, okay, so if I serve five hours this week, then God's going to fill up my bank account. Or if I put a, a couple extra dollars in the offering box this week, then I won't have to worry about mortgage for That is not what this is. The blessing that comes from generosity is far greater than that. It's not a couple of lousy dollars in your bank account. And, and let me be clear, it's also not earning you a standing with God. It's not getting you to the place where all of a sudden God's like, oh, I do like him. He gave me a 20 today. That's not what this is. God and I are good because of Jesus and what he did on the cross, okay? So, so my generosity isn't gaining me a, a standing uh, with God. I've been given that already through Christ. We're generous people because the blessing I get from being generous is, is also found up there, and I can't find it, it's driving me nuts. There is verse one. When you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, You know what blessing you get by living a generous life with the finances, abilities, gifts, talents, time, and energy that God has given you? You know what blessing you get from, from living a generous life, employing those into the, the mission of God? You reap the smile of God. Think about that for a second. When we take what God has already given to us and we bring it to him as a gift, we get his delight pleasing to God. 2 Corinthians 9 gives us the verse that we're all very familiar with. God loves a cheerful giver. God delights in. God smiles over a giver. Cheerful, actually that word is hilarious. A hilarious giver, which is a picture that I can't get out of my head and I probably shouldn't try to communicate, but but that, that God, God, it puts a smile on his face when we are filled with joy, when we understand the reason we have to be generous is because God has been most generous to us. Isn't it your goal to put a smile on his face? Isn't it your goal to, to take the one who you love most and do something or say something that would... That I long to see my wife Stephanie smile. I, I love to, to see her respond when I buy something for her or give her something. I know I'm already loved by her. But, but let me be honest. I'll be honest. There's times that I think... It's a benevolent love, just full-on mercy, mandatory even because she's stuck, right? And while I know she loves me, I desperately want to see that reaction when I, not, not the, oh, it's okay, I just love spending time with you, I want to see 
I want to see the eyes light up. I want to see her, that, that, that smile. I want to see that, that elementary girl come out of her when she does the little skippy thing that she does that she's going to kill me for now. <laughs> what I want is her mind to be blown by a gift or a word or an action. Why? To know that I can make her day doing something. Man, that's my life. The same way we look at God oftentimes and we think, he's stuck with us. He's God. He's got to love us. He's got no other options, right? And if we're not careful, we can actually assign to him the world's biggest eye roll. Like, oh, these guys again. But God's word tells us how to put a smile on his face. By living a life that is marked by generosity. So how? How do you, how do you take next steps in this? In investing in God's mission? Let me, let, me, let me throw just a few of them out there. Obviously, evaluate your giving. Uh, your checkbook, of course, nobody has a checkbook anymore. Your online statement will give you a picture of who or what you are serving. Does, does your, do your spending habits demonstrate that you have a full recognition of the fact that God has blessed you financially and you're seeking to be generous with what God has given you in serving other people with it? So, so evaluate your, your giving. How are you using your gifts, your talents, your time, your, your passion? I, I'm, we, we ring this bell a lot, particularly since we've reopened after COVID, but, but, but our, our children's classes, we, we are in desperate need of volunteers and teachers. We we're in desperate need of, of having adult leaders on Wednesday evening for our um, young people's ministry. We're in desperate need on Wednesday evenings for uh, other adult volunteers to come alongside our teen youth group and, and mentor them and love on them and demonstrate for them what it looks like to pursue Jesus as, a, as an adult. We, we need more smiley people who would be those greeters, those encouragers. Now, now some of you, okay, some of you should not be greeters. <laughs> so I'm just being honest, I love you. I love you. Like, What's wrong? No, no, I'm happy. All right, that's not for you. You should be in a different ministry. Um, but come on. Some, some of you, that's the easiest ministry to get into. Can you smile? Huh? Can you hold the door? Sweet, you're halfway there. That's the most complicated part. Man, we, we need those people. And we need... <laughs> I love you. You guys are great. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> Chris is in the advanced training program. We'll fill you in on that later. <laughs> um, another, another opportunity for us. To, to serve. This is a, an opportunity for the entire church. I don't care what your gifts, bil- abilities, or talents are. On the 23rd of October, it is a Saturday morning, we are going to go into our local town of Union Bridge, and we're going to do some cleaning, and we're going to do some projects to help show the love of Jesus through our community. We want you to join us in that. That's a demonstration of generosity. Man, still, maybe you're like, I still have no idea what, what to do. Okay, so what I want to encourage you to do is stop at Connections. On your way out here, stop at Connections. We have a number of opportunities that they can explain to you, you can ask questions about. But on top of that, we also have um, a ministry opportunities, volunteer opportunities in a book 
that is designated by spiritual gift, by passion, by talent. It's all in there, all of the opportunities to volunteer at Uniontown Bible Church. And let me tell you, it is a large book. So if you're like, I don't feel like carrying a large book home, then we can get you a digital copy. If you just email the office here at Uniontown, and that email address is, oh, catch it, office at utown.org, then we can send you a digital copy of it as well. But we'd encourage you to look at that because you may find volunteer opportunities in there or it may just trigger ideas in you to to get you an understanding of what it is that you can do. But let me say this as I close. Let me get to the closing part now, okay? That was the commercial. Volunteering and volunteering more or giving more in the offering, I think that's what we're called to. I think that's what it looks like to be, be generous. But that cannot be sustained... And it will not happen if you're not focused on the therefore. Guilt, shame, a community that's excited can only carry you so far. The world is going to try to pressure you into those, those molds and those way of thinkings. And, and let me tell you, um, it's ways of thinking, not way of thinkings. Ways of thinking, there we go. Just by mere resistance to the, 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 the pushing and the molding efforts of the world isn't going to create in you the, the change that God has in mind. See, he tells you instead, be transformed, metamorpho, changed. By the renewing of your mind, that means allow yourself to behold the glory of Jesus Christ as often as you can, in all the ways we've been talking about up to this point, by valuing his word, by um, engaging with his people, and by uh, enjoying God's presence in prayer. Behold the very glory of Jesus Christ as the world tries to conform you, be transformed, be renewed by gazing at the glory of Christ. And let me tell you this, when you do that, the old hymn writer had it right. The things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory, in the light of his grace. The things of earth are all still here. You just have a different perspective about them. And we behold the glory of Christ most consistently, most basically, when we reflect on the therefore. When we remember who we were before Jesus. I want to encourage you. That back corner, loving God, has got a gazillion stories stapled on that thing. If you would spend five minutes over there sometime today, this week, next week even, reading those, you know what you'll find? You'll find stories of men and women who were trapped in addiction. You find stories of men and women who were in abusive relationships or even abusers themselves. You find men and women who were desperate, discouraged, depressed, dealing with alcoholism, drug addiction, people who described themselves as atheists or agnostics. And then, the light turned on. And then, the beauty of Jesus became real to them. And then, 
They understood that Jesus died so they wouldn't have to. As God almost tries to drown us in his mercy. As we reflect on what it is that Jesus Christ did for us. Man, therefore, based on those mercies, may we be a people who invest in God's mission in the most aggressive and generous of ways. Would you? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that in your word, we see the truth of of Jesus Christ. That we understand that though he didn't have to, he willingly came. He willingly came. He he came and humbled himself to be born like a a child that needs its diaper changed, a, a baby who needs to be fed baby that needed to learn to walk. The the King of kings and the Lord of lords came and humbled himself and became like us so that he could be a suitable sacrifice for us when he laid down his life on the cross. God, I pray that any that are here this morning who have not cried out, Jesus, save me, that today would be the day they do that. I pray that those of us who are holding on to the gifts or talents, abilities, finances, whatever it might be, almost miserly like God, may we get a fresh understanding of what the therefore means. May we remember, may we remember how immense the wave of mercy is that overtakes us. May we reflect on the the grace upon grace upon grace that you keep chucking at us. God, would we yield our entire being to you and give you everything we have because it truly is the least we can do. Thank you for your mercy. Amen.